Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the UK True Crime Weekly podcast. I'm Adam. Today we head back to 1984. Today we head back to 1984 to look at the crimes of a rapist nicknamed the Fox, who terrorised the counties of Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire in central England, though he also committed crimes further afield. As a young boy, I recall a newspaper headline about this man dressed all in black with a mask and a gun. He really was a figure of terror. But before we start, I would like to thank my new Patreon supporters this week. That's Amy, Karen Droysen, Samuel Preston, Reggie Lee, and also from beautiful Sydney, Taryn Blackwood, who has supported the show for a while. Thank you all for your support. I really appreciate it. There's no advert today, so instead I am delighted that I can offer listeners a free copy of a new book by ex-policeman Chris Clark. It's called The Face of Evil and it's all about Robert Black. Now Chris is a major contributor to our UK True Crime Facebook page and he also has an excellent website at armchairdetective.org.uk. Based on his knowledge and his writing ability, I expect the book to be excellent. All you need to do to be in the chance of winning the book is to make a comment on this week's podcast thread at the Facebook group and I'll pick a winner at random, which will be announced on next week's show. The UK charts in April 1984 were topped by Lionel Rich with Hello, just ahead of Shaken Stevens with A Love Worth Waiting For. In the US, it was Kenny Loggins with Footloose, which was shortly to be followed by Phil Collins with Against All Odds. In the Australian music charts... Michael Jackson's album Thriller was knocked off the top by In Excess with Swing. This was the month when the film Terms of Endearment dominated the 56th Academy Awards. Remember that one? We lost Marvin Gaye, murdered by his father just a day before his 45th birthday, and also comedian Tommy Cooper, who you may recall died on stage. WPC Yvonne Fletcher was shot and killed in London, leading to a police siege of the Libyan embassy, and US researchers announced their discovery of the AIDS virus. And in Australia, Advance Australia Fair was proclaimed as Australia's national anthem, and green and gold as the national colours of that country. Leighton Buzzard is a small town in Bedfordshire, close to the M1 motorway. In April 1984, at about 9pm, a 74-year-old lady went to bed where she read her book for an hour or so before drifting off to sleep. When she was just starting to doze off, she was suddenly startled by a shuffling sound and on opening her eyes she was horrified to discover a man in her room. This was the first attack by the man later called the Fox who proceeded to indecently assault the terrified victim in her bed. It was a month later that he struck again. On May the 10th, he broke into a house in nearby Cheddington. When he broke in, the house was empty, so the fox took £300 in cash and also a shotgun and cartridges that he found there. But rather than making just a quick getaway, he decided to wait to see who lived at this house. It was in fact a 35-year-old single man who lived there and he'd been out for the night visiting his girlfriend. When he arrived home just after 11pm, he was met with a horrifying vision of a masked man pointing his own shotgun at him. After tying up the homeowner, the fox found some pornographic videos which he forced his terrified captive to watch with him, 
before he indecently assaulted his victim. He then left the house and buried the gun. However, he buried the gun so well that despite looking for it, he was never able to find the weapon again. Detective Chief Superintendent Brian Prickett led the police inquiry. He knew he had a serious problem with this man, but there was little to go on. The fox's description was that he was around 20 to 30 years old, but this was quite tricky to pinpoint as he wore a mask. He was around 5 foot 8 inches tall, slim build, athletic, between 10 and 11 stones with long smooth fingers. As you can tell, this doesn't really narrow things down much, although it was also possible that he might have a stutter and also potentially a northern accent, possibly from the northeast. Whilst the police continued to hunt for their man, he committed three more burglaries before breaking into a fourth house in Tring. It was in this house that he found another shotgun and cartridges, and this time he didn't make the mistake of losing them. In what became characteristic for him, he took clothing from drawers, especially women's clothing, and he also took photographs from photo albums. Again, it was usually pictures of women that he took. And it was just three days later that the fox struck again near Leighton Buzzard. Although once more nobody was at home, he again decided to wait to see who lived in the house, and he constructed a den. This is what led to his nickname of the fox. The kind of den he made was, was like your children would make. He took the light bulbs away, okay, maybe your children wouldn't do that, and put blankets over the furniture so he had a clear spot where he could watch what was going on. He was also able to ensure he had a clear escape route and also that he could watch videos undetected with no lights flickering in front of the windows. Settling down for a long stakeout, he helped himself to food from the fridge and he made himself a pot of tea as well. Just thinking about it, this calmness in a situation where you've actually broken into someone's house is quite breathtaking. And it was 1.30am when the occupants arrived home. But they were lucky on this occasion as something had spooked the fox and he fled taking just £130, an anorak and a packet of peanuts. Just imagine when they came home they must have found it incredibly odd to see this den set up in the house and the pot of tea still warm. But the fox was not done for this evening. On foot, he made his way across farmland to another house in Leighton Buzzard. This time, the married couple who lived there were home and sleeping. The man awoke first, seeing a sight from all of our nightmares in front of him, this masked man carrying a shotgun in his bedroom. He was angry and he shouted at him for a scuffle occurred, which led to the man being shot in the hand. This was a serious injury. He was later to lose his hand, the injury was that severe. But despite this, he chased the fox out of his home, with the attacker leaving behind the peanuts and the anorak from the previous burglary. Detective Chief Superintendent Brian Prickett was coming under increasing pressure to capture the fox. Speaking about the issues he was facing to the Milton Keynes newspaper, he said, One of the early problems we had was the victim's shock. It was difficult for them to give a description and he was wearing a mask which made it harder. The early victims all thought he had a different accent. He was not living rough because he didn't smell. He had a lifestyle which meant that he would not be suspected. He was probably a night worker. Anyone living in a 20 mile radius matching that description became a suspect. 
the police received thousands of calls about people acting strangely. There were even 15 separate calls about a man in the village, just because he had a peculiar lifestyle. The pressure was quite enormous, not just for me but for the team working on it. When the media make a criminal investigation prominent, and when it's on the front of national as well as local newspapers, that adds to the pressure. The pressure was on that this inquiry would not make the same mistakes as the Ripper inquiry. However, Brian never doubted that he would come face to face with the Fox. He said, I felt very confident I had an excellent team and felt confident we would detect it. It was only a matter of when. The reality is when someone continues to commit crime, they will always leave more clues and they will eventually get caught. But at the time, the surrounding area was in a state of utter panic. At one stage, the incident room was receiving 250 calls an hour. We were getting calls saying there's someone in my back garden or around the back. I suspect they saw some of our guys. And the minute the helicopter came up, there's immediately a panic because everyone thinks the fox is around. Buying cautious and shotguns was overreacting, but I could understand why people did it. There were also rumours, and I'd have been really concerned if I'd been living in that area. Some of the police officers from here lived in the area, and when they were away from home, they were very concerned for their families. The police inquiry was called Operation Peanut, which was named after the fox's hobby of eating snack food in the den whilst waiting for the homeowners to return. And Operation Peanut ramped up even further. It was a few weeks later, on the 6th of July, that he broke into another house, masked and armed with a gun. The married couple awoke to see him in the bedroom. He made them get out of their bed and onto the floor of the bedroom where he tied them both up using their shoelaces and their clothes. This time he was determined to succeed in sexually assaulting the woman, which he did, until she began to scream at which stage he ran out of the house. And it was just two days later when the fox struck again. This time it was a bungalow where a husband and a wife lived with their two children. They were fast asleep, all four of them in the beds, but the fox instructed the wife to type her husband before he sexually assaulted her. When her husband protested about what was happening to his wife, he was hit in the face with the gun with some real force. The fox then went on to rape the wife before tying her up as well and leaving the house. The attacks by the fox were now dominating the headlines during that balmy summer of 1984. Despite the heat, windows were closed around the Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire areas and it was the main topic of conversation in all the pubs, bars and shops. Terrified residents formed vigilante groups and barred their windows. Can you actually imagine the reality of how that was? As might be expected, the police were out in force to try and catch this fox. The fox hunt, as they called it. 200 officers from different forces were on the case, and they were engaged in often high-profile patrols, and sometimes even hiding in exposed houses and barns close to previous attacks. They brought in reinforcements from other police forces, and even from the picket lines of the 1984 miners' strike. They used aerial surveillance, and they even used armed patrols. But to no avail and the fox moved to nearby Edelsborough, where he committed a number of burglaries before another major attack on the night of the 17th of August. This time, he targeted a bungalow containing an 18-year-old girl, her 21-year-old boyfriend, and her 17-year-old brother. 
the girl and her boyfriend were sleeping while her brother played records. When the boyfriend got up to go to the toilet, he found the fox wearing a balaclava and carrying a shotgun on the landing. All three were taken to the girl's bedroom, where the boys were made to lie on the floor and tied up with flex. The girl was also tied up with a pillow over her head. The fox, again calm as ever, he went off for a drink before returning and raping the girl and indecently assaulting both boys. He then raped the girl again before stealing some videotapes and fleeing the scene. Leaving the police to search for him in Bedfordshire, the fox headed up the M1 to Milton Keynes where he burgled some houses. It was then, on the 19th of August, that things started to go wrong for him. He was driving on the M18, heading for Durham via the A1, when he pulled onto the hard shoulder and reversed his car into an area sheltered by woodland. On foot, he crossed the motorway in fields and broke into a house occupied by a man and a woman in the small village of Brampton on Le Morthen, near Rotherham in Yorkshire. The modus operandi was depressingly familiar as the terrified couple were woken by the masked man in their bedroom. The fox tied one leg of each of the couple together, searched the house looking for anything he could possibly steal, and then he indecently assaulted the woman. Once again, he smashed a gun into the man's face when he protested about the assault on his wife. The fox then raped the woman. But this time the fox showed some forensic awareness as he cut out a square of the bedding so that police would not be able to trace his semen from the scene. Back at the car, the fox hid the mask, gun and a pair of gloves in a nearby field. He also inadvertently reversed against some bushes, scraping the paintwork of his car and leaving fragments of paint on the branches. He then drove north to Peter Lee near Sunderland, where he committed two more similar crimes. And later he returned back to the Leighton Buzzard area and he committed another 11 offences at Milton Keynes. But the police were onto him. Thanks to a farmer in Rotherham who noticed that something had been buried in one of his fields after hearing about the rape, police were soon called to the scene. Detective Brian Prickett did not want to alert the fox about what had happened, so they got the South Yorkshire Bus Company to stage an accident on the M18 with a bus. There were fire engines and ambulance there, while all the while scientists were investigating what had been left behind by the fox. The paint on the branch following his skirmish with the bushes matched a harvest yellow Austin Allegro. Now, owning an Allegro, especially of that colour, was a crime in itself. Take a look at some of the pictures online. It's truly horrific. The paint flecks were analysed and it was confirmed there were only a limited number of harvest yellow cars. No surprise there. Built by UK car manufacturer British Leyland. It was just a matter of finding the Fox's car among the thousands registered in Britain. It is the system of police incident rooms to allocate actions to detectives, follow-up inquiries or whatever line of inquiry comes along. In this case, tracing and interviewing owners of British Leyland cars, harvest yellow colour. One such action was to visit a man called Malcolm Fairley at his home in Osney Crescent in Kentish Town, North London. When two detectives arrived there on the 11th of September 1984, Fairley was outside cleaning his car. The detectives immediately saw the scratch paintwork and in the boot of another car belonging to Fairley, 
they found a pair of overalls with a leg missing. The leg, which had been cut up to make a mask, used on some of the offences. So it looked like they had their man, and Malcolm Fairley was the fox. So who was he? He was born in 1952 in Sunderland, the youngest of nine children. This made him 32 when he was caught. He was a quiet, soft-spoken northerner with the stutter that they'd identified early on the inquiry, and he was described as shy and introverted. As a teenager, he was often in trouble with the police for theft and burglary. He was married at 19, but his wife left when the shy, quiet Malcolm Fairley actually turned out to be a violent piece of work. But he married again, and he lived near Peterlee in the northeast with his wife and three children. For ten more years, Fairley was in and out of jail. Then in 1983, having separated from his second wife, he moved to the Leighton Buzzard area and took a number of labouring jobs in a number of companies, from Berkhampstead in the south to Milton Keynes in the north. He was known for burglary, theft and car crime, but he'd never once been involved in sexual crime. It seems that it was the power that a gun gave him that led him to commit sexual offences. From Bedfordshire, he moved to Kentish Town in North London, where he was arrested, but he used his knowledge of Bedfordshire and the surrounding area for his crime spree. At first, Fairley denied that he was the culprit. But then faced with the overwhelming mountain of evidence, he confessed to everything and spent the next few days taking officers to the scenes of his crimes. Detective Prickett said, He didn't actually think he was going to get caught. When I met him, he said, I saw you on television many times and did not think I'd ever meet you. In many ways, we knew almost everything about him, his personality, his character, but not his name. He was the sort of guy you'd walk past in the street and you'd not have noticed. And that was one of his problems. He said that when he had a gun in his hand, he felt he was king. Later in court, Fairley blamed his crimes on hardcore pornography. However, Detective Prickett felt differently, saying, He was a very insignificant person, and he felt he was actually in control and very important in his own mind. He never showed any remorse or said sorry. He was very cold. I would ask him, why did you do it? And he would say, I don't know, I just felt I had to. He never came up with any explanation about what drove him to it. He was not the first person who has committed rape and not known why, but the extreme nature of the rape and the extreme nature of someone going out of a mask and going to someone's house, which he knew was occupied, is very unusual. While Fairley was staying with his wife's relatives in Leighton Buzzard, it was revealed that the husband had been screwing down the windows to protect his family from the fox. Brian Prickett said they had no idea at all. He said, I was screwing down the windows with him inside. I was trying to keep the fox out when he was inside my house all the time. And Fairley's wife knew that he was breaking into houses, but she had a huge shock when she found out that he was the man that the papers were calling the fox. At his trial at St Albans Crown Court, Malcolm Fairley, the fox, pleaded guilty to 13 charges including three rapes, two indecent assaults, three aggravated burglaries and five burglaries. He asked for a further 68 cases to be taken into consideration. In court he was unrepentant, saying he was sorry, not for what he had done, but just because he'd been caught. 
On the occasion when one of his victims was shot in the hand, Fairley said that, look, he hadn't meant to hurt the person, it just went off. And this seems likely, since he had no experience of firearms. And on subsequent occasions when he used it to threaten his victims, he said, it was not loaded. I never wanted to hurt anybody, he said. His defence barrister told the court that Fairley had no clear idea of right and wrong. And Fairley himself said, I wanted to stop it, but I couldn't. When I got the gun, I felt I could get whatever I wanted. Sentencing Fairley on the 26th of February 1985, Justice Caulfield told him, There are degrees of wickedness beyond description. Your crimes fall within this category. You desecrated and defiled men and women in their own homes. You are a decadent advertisement for evil pornographers. Fairley was given six life sentences for his crimes. So what do you make of what we've heard today? If you don't recall this case, it's hard to emphasise just how much terror was caused by this one man's actions. One thing that stays with me is just how calm he was in other people's houses waiting for them to return home, or taking time out to make a drink or food in between attacks. We can, of course, only imagine the sheer horror of being confronted by a masked man carrying a gun in our bedrooms. And once more, we, we can just hope that those people that suffered this have gone on to have some sort of normality in their lives. The six life sentences that Fairley received should have made it around 146 years in jail. However, Malcolm Fairley is living amongst us already. He was released under a new identity in 2012 after spending less than 20 years in jail. How do you feel about that? I wonder how his victims and their friends and families feel about it. I would have thought like so many of the horrific characters we discuss here every week, this is someone who will always be dangerous so should be kept in prison for longer, potentially for life. But as you know by now, everything about how we deal with prisoners of all ages bemuses me almost every time. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. Please support the show at patreon.com slash UK True Crime. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash UK True Crime. Bonus episode seven will be released in the next week and full access is only £3 a month. Do come and join us on the Facebook group. It's a lot of fun, interesting discussions. And to see what's going on in the world of UK True Crime, why not head over to the website uktruecrime.com sign up for the newsletter and be the first to know about ongoing developments. So until we speak again next Tuesday, from me, it's Cheerio.